2: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talked to Euron Weitzman, a columnist for Fox Sports, who recently wrote an article titled James Harden reckons with his legacy. We talked to Own about Harden's playoff struggles in the past, about his relationship with Joel Embiid, and what he's looking to do to cement his NBA legacy. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletic's podcast network. But we are also joined by one of our favorite writers who covers a team from time to time. Uh your own Whitesman, author of Taking to the Top, and most recently and the reason why he's on this podcast, an article over at Fox Spot- Sports about James Harden. Hey, you doing your own?
3: I am good. Thank you for having me back on Sixers Podcast.
2: Yeah. No, it is uh, It is always good to catch up. It's not like we don't see you. We see you pretty often, um, especially with... I the, drop in, right? I drop especially in. Especially with how controversial and and interesting. We'll call it interesting. That's a good way of phrasing it. This team can be... Your own is down there at the Wells Fargo Center or at the practice facility quite a bit. Uh, but recently, he had an exclusive with James Harden, which did not take place uh, in Philadelphia or in Camden. Where were you, up in Toronto during this? Toronto, interview?
3: yeah. Yeah, it's actually... Should I tell... I know I'm cutting you off. I think it's kind of funny... Should I say how, how I got the interview? Because I think that's kind of funny sure. in a way. The uh, I I just went up and asked. Him. Basically, it started. Um, it started. Uh, the Sixers were in New York for a preseason game in uh, October. I don't know whenever that was in Brooklyn. So I went, and then him and Joel do like a, they stay there. I wait for after the shoot around or, or shoot around. It was the it was the game. They nobody played. It was like a right. shoot around a preseason game where no one played. So him and Joel shot for about an hour and a half after. So I waited, waited, waited. Watched him uh, tell Sam Cassell why Sam Cassell was wrong about what he was telling James okay. to do on pick and roll stuff, which was funny. Um, that two can argue. Story. Yep. Yeah, it was interesting hearing James tell, no, Sam, I should be going this way, not that way. Um, and then I saw went up to James and told him, uh, yeah, I want to do a story. And like he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I think Rob King, who's the PR guy, Was <laughs> he was kind of stunned because um, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. So James <laughs> like, just talk to my guy over here. And we did it. And I asked James and at in the interview, which was so that was in Toronto during an off day. They had played two games there early in the year. And uh I believe the quote was You seemed like a nice guy, and you said you had some questions. So I figured I would give you my time. <laughs> was the uh, wow. the reason. So something about my face uh, gave off nice <laughs> nice guy.
2: Uh, sure, <laughs> that's... sure. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, all right, so I guess that's sort of like where we can start. Like, what was just your overall, you know, I think when a lot of times we go into these interview requests you sort of have an idea of what story you're looking to get or what story you thinking you can get. What was your biggest takeaway that maybe surprised you uh, from your sit down with Harden?
3: Um, surprise me. That's a good question. So yeah, going in, and this is what I think, I, t- I don't remember what exactly, but I basically told him, I want to talk to you about, I want to ask you all the questions that everyone says, everyone talks to you about, but no one ever seems to really ask you directly, right? And give you a space to answer them. Um, so he answered them. I, I kind of knew, and I write this in a story. I knew he would do the thing where he says, I don't really care what people think, and then explain why people are wrong, right? I've heard, I, I when preparing, I heard him say that. And that's pretty common. I mean, we've heard lots of professional athletes do that, right? That's pretty common among guys I mean, look, like that. Even,
2: like, I'll, I'll say, I don't care what you think on Twitter, and then I'll block your ass. I think everybody does that. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> that's, well, that's, and I said that to an in interview. I was like, I don't know. I care what people think. I'm like, I, I you know, I have a story. James Harden's story comes out. I'm as narcissistic as I'm refreshing Twitter and Googling my Nate Harden and Google news. Like I'm doing all that. I'm not going to pretend I'm above that. Right. Like I'm hundred (laughs) percent doing that. Um, so yeah, so that, um, so that wasn't surprising. I was surprised to hear him. Um, i was surprised how honest he was about the nets. That was pretty funny. And that was at the end of the interview. I asked him, I said, you know, anything I should probably ask you this. And he just gave me kind of lit them on fire basically. Right. Um, so I was surprised about that, and I was surprised how um how much he admitted the uh, how difficult it was last year fitting in with Embiid and like we're coming to a team where I think he said everything was Joel Joel Joel. Like I thought he would be maybe a little more political on that. I'm glad he wasn't because I think it's more interesting and revealing. Um, definitely from our standpoint, but I think it's also beneficial for him and these guys to just be honest. Maybe that's the biggest surprise is that he was pretty open and honest. Like I think he kind of gave a good window into um who he was like after the interview, my editors did do the thing where they ask any quotes that will go viral, you know, which is classic. I assume my editor's not going <laughs> to listen to this, but that's fine. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, mean, I can make and, sure uh, they got an
2: audio copy of it. I'll send, <laughs> I'll send him a link. And I was like, and I was like, no, I don't
3: think so. But I think if you, the whole story, like, I think you get a, I got a good picture of who James Harden is and how he thinks at this point in his career. And like, I think that's what, I think that's what happened. Right. I think that's what kind of surprised me that he sort of did put a, uh, put the wall down a little bit. Well
0: also so much of the wall for him is like he doesn't always specifically say what is bothering him I feel like like he he will mm-hmm. he will tell you he is feeling you know whatever the word is depressed down whatever things aren't going right for him whatever the right word is but he he won't always specifically give you the uh, the answer so in your talks like I know you know the hamstring was the issue last year there were some other things, obviously, from the Nets and you know the other the turmoil surrounding that situation. I, I guess did he get into that at all? Like what
3: what was bothering him last year? He did, yeah. So the um, he did a. I think I put this in right. He did say there was other stuff going on, but he didn't want to talk about it. And I tried like three times, yeah. Um, and, he and he wouldn't. And he wouldn't. Yeah, and he wouldn't go in on it. And even the PR guy, like PR Rob King, quite like so. Not, Rob King kind of said, "Yeah, James doesn't want like it's behind you, right?" And James said, "Yeah." Like it was clear. His wasn't biting. I did the thing. We've you guys have done this. Where you try multiple times, and but what about this? But you're saying this or one detail, and he just didn't want to bite. Which is again, um, that's his right. Like you know, I'm not somebody who thinks that anyone's required to give me answers or talk to me about anything. Uh, I, one thing I don't know if I put this in. I do think, um, not being in Houston. I think we didn't put this in. I think that was hard for him as well. That my understanding is like his whole family had moved to Houston, um, over the years, um, and that was his home, and leaving that. You know, it's sort of a mix of all that. So the hamstring injury, which was really the first time, and going back, like I had forgotten how he just never missed games for yeah. like a stretch of six, seven yep. years. Like he literally played every. Like i forgotten that, right? It's the kind of thing where, we, where I take it in for granted. Maybe is a better way to put it. Um, maybe looking back, they would be better off, right, in the playoffs if they had given him some days rest, days off here and there. So I think just the ham, like, the first real injury, the next thing being a shit show, um, leaving Houston. And this is the mix of all that. And again, probably and he wouldn't admit this. And he definitely still doesn't admit it, at least to me. Like we talked about how getting by people is still not a problem for him. He said he was taking mid-range shots because, you know, there's no yes. role man and the <laughs> big men's there. It's interesting, right? Um, that's revealing in its own way, right? So I think you with like your basketball mortality as a superstar. That, that's my read on it. That Just the whole mix there um, was what sort of created that situation. Yeah, it is
2: interesting reading that because it seems like at times he's acknowledging the fact that there is a shelf life on his career, a shelf life on him being a you know a great athlete, but yep. he didn't want to go quite as far as to recognize that he might be reaching that yet. Like, he seems like he is, he yep. is acknowledging yep. <laughs> that there's only so much time of being the superstar that he was, and he wants to win within that time frame. But he did seem like he pushed back a little bit there on uh he's actually reached it.
3: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, right? And it's interesting, and it's also revealing because. It being James Harden, and he is this, whether you are a fan of his game or not. Like, and the description I use is like playing chess. He, he's a savant, right? On the court. He's seeing things 15 steps ahead that none of us are even on processing, right. right? And how even the way he gives the excuse is not, no, I can get by guys, but then he breaks it down in X and O's ways where it no, it's actually because of that, there's a big guy here who's low and the other guy's not dropping. And he's kind of going into all the X's and O's. And re- you almost like bringing data to reinforce his opinion, right? To prove his opinion which I thought's interesting too. Yeah. He what? Yeah. um, That part's fascinating. I, and I tell you must, like, you know, anyone who goes on NBA advanced stats or just takes a look at the clean the glass categories where you see the uh, shades of colors, right. And what the numbers are, you can see like, he's not the same guy he once was. It's just, it's obvious.
0: I, I like the fact that you got him to say, because I don't think I've ever heard him say this, that specifically every game, Guys, who I could normally get by, or certain moves that I'd always hit, yep. it just wasn't happening. Now that's clear for everybody to see. You know that this is not 2017 Harden, but he did admit that actually. And uh, I, I guess, like, did you guys? You, you do get into some of it in the story. You know, with the you know the delay sets and Embiid and all of those things. What's the sense you got yeah. of you know how he understands like this is not his team. It, it will not be his team moving forward, and really. I'm not sure any team can be like his team is like the number one guy, and how he's you know trying to adjust to that type of life after you know being the heliocentric superstar for forever, maybe the OG
3: one, honestly. To me, so like editorializing, right? I'm still dubious about his ability to um uh, adjust that yep. situation. I I, I kind of put that in there a little bit, you know. I left myself out, but like. The way I made I made sure to ask everybody that, right? I asked Daryl about that and whether I'm still surprised that like I would if you would ask me to guess just based on press conference quotes, I would say they don't get along, right? Like that just seems like obvious to me. Um I wrote this. I mean, I'm, forget what Daryl Morey says on the record, right? That's or even what he says off the record, right? That doesn't matter. But I I checked in with other people who I trust and everyone's like, no, no it's fine off the court. Just uh the on court stuff um is the uh is where it's gonna be it's getting it's where it's interesting. And and but and I put some of this on um talking about James. I think Joel does deserve some of the blame for that as well. Um not it's clearly he's clearly the better player, it's clearly his team, but there are ways he can do things like he doesn't have to take passive aggressive shots at the offense every time when James is out, right? In press conferences. Like James sees those quotes. He doesn't have to not even once to me when I'm asking something specific about delay, because I came in armed with a you know, ready to go with a specific question but just all the stuff that Joel says and Joel's, I i i don't like being the reporter who says, maybe don't be so honest. Like, you know, I'm always <laughs> pro these guys being honest with us. Right. But if you're talking about, if, uh, if we're talking about judging Joel's um, leadership abilities and how he's doing it, like there are probably some things he could do differently um, in terms of working and connecting with James. So is that, but no, I'm stuck. Like the way, J- when I walked out of the interview, I was kind of thinking, okay, so James Harden, he's saying he wants to fit, but he's, and like you said, the, number, the heliocentric guy, just, I don't know. I don't know if he can, but I guess we're not going to go to the playoffs. We can kind of just wait and wait and wait. It's not, it's all, all this is irrelevant until the playoffs. Um, I'm dubious, but I guess you never I,
0: know. I am too. I uh, I think it's uh, it's a good point you make about the Joel passive aggressive comments. So, because, you know, for, as you've been around the team a lot, we've been around them a little more than you, obviously, because it's our only thing. Yep. Uh, it's something that you just kind of, I don't know. You just like let slide at some point. It's like, Oh yeah. He, uh, in the middle of his answer that could be interpreted as like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm getting the ball out more now, or it's moving and stuff right. like that. <laughs> exactly. So it is a little bit of a push and pull. It's just, and it's funny. He's been doing it for so long and you're right. Like he's honest and he's a good quote and, and all of those things. But yes, that is an element of the Joel Embiid experience for sure. And- for sure. <laughs> yeah.
3: For sure. It's like, and like again, it's, he needs he needs Harden also, right? So it's Joel's team, he's the best player, but he needs Harden. So it's not all on James Harden to adjust to Joel Embiid. I think it's more so, you know, we'll make it up, let's say, 65-35 or whatever it is, right? But, like, we've seen what a team – Joel Embiid's great, fantastic. He's not. They're not winning anything if James Harden isn't a good number two, right? He needs James Harden to be the best player he can be. So some of that is on him to – and that's not necessarily on-court stuff, right? That's off-court stuff, relationship building and – Communicating all the stuff that maybe Joel Embiid uh, doesn't necessarily love to do, right? That's not exactly his uh, favorite part about being an NBA player.
0: (laughs) It's no, and I think it's a, I I like that you had this in the article too that, yeah, it's not really off court stuff that is like, you know, obviously there are the passive aggressive quotes, but, you know, I, I think sometimes you know, these are human beings. So like sometimes there are shades of gray in a relationship, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it can be mostly good. And, you know, maybe sometimes Joel gets frustrated about, you know, the ball, not moving or whatever, but they get along and he recognizes his talent. And that's not the sole issue. I feel like a lot of times in these NBA stories and a lot of times in the Sixers stories as well, it's black and white. They like each other. They don't like each other. If they don't like each other, that's the reason it's not working. Basketball on the court doesn't matter at all, which I I do think over this Sixers era, as much weird shit has happened as, <laughs> like, just as much crazy off-court personalities, all of that, that shit. Some of it has just it's been like a weird basketball mix, and that's part of the reason it hasn't worked. And um, I think this one might be a better mix. We'll see what, what Harden can do, but I, I think that's a point, too. It's like, you know, sometimes they're just maybe not good enough, you know? Sometimes it just doesn't exactly fit on the court together.
3: Yeah, like, if I mean... Simmons and B, if they fit better on the court together, their relationship is probably better, right? They could they, things yeah, kind of feed right? into each other. I know they all had their specific personality corks and stuff, but like they have moments where they got along fine, good enough to yeah. win, right? Like it wasn't like they hit each other. Now, some of the, um, you know, history, the comments, and maybe there's some um, revisionist history <laughs> for going both on of them as well. From ben, from ben, <laughs> for both of them, right? Yeah. In terms of like we, they never talked, but that wasn't true. You guys know this as well as I. Like they, they got they had their issues. They got along fine, but the court, they just didn't mesh. The games didn't mesh. And then that creates problems. So.
2: So I guess a big part of of the article is about it seems like James is is really cognizant of his legacy and the fact that he's never really won in the playoffs or gotten to a final since leaving Oklahoma City all those years ago. I guess what was your overall takeaway of, of, you know, I think a lot of people question his desire to winning. He comments on that in here and his work ethic and his willingness to mesh. Like what, I guess, what do you think is driving him right now?
3: Um. Yeah. The championship thing for sure. I mean, I think like he said that, you know, that's the only thing he's missing and he's right. Right. He is right. And that's, it's, I mean, this stuff matters, right. Is we're talking about nonsense and basketball and all that. But in terms of like, once you get past that, none of the things we actually talk about matter, like him winning a championship matters, right. Does that make sense? Like the idea of his, how he wants to be remembered and his basketball legacy, like a championship is going to have a major impact. If he wins the title within the next year or two, you're going to remember him in a really different way than if he doesn't, um, And for anyone who devotes their entire life to something and like, and I put there like, you know, whether, whatever you think or not, whatever you think about him or not, or whatever, whether you're a fan of his or not, he changed the game. He's an all time. He's a distinctive player or singular player who is, uh, one of the 50 best ever to do something. And like that billions of people do, right. It's just, it's an incredible feat. And if you're that person, then you want to be remembered positive way in a positive light. And I think he's aware of that. So there's that. And I also think, um, where he says, you know, he heard the noise, as he kind of admitted to after saying he didn't hear the noise, but like he was done, he's over the hill and the hamstring. I think that was one of my big takeaways to show that, like, he still got more left. Um, and even the stuff about, like, the quitter part, right? When he talked about the Nets and, you know, I everyone called me a quitter, but then KD wants to ask that. So am I still a quitter now or who the, who's a quitter now? Like, I think the way he's labeled as a basketball player, that matters to him. Um, and that's sort of what where it goes. So, yeah, I guess... And be it, you know, you can always ask the interesting, like the fascinating. Okay, so would you rather you play poorly and win a title, or be the number one guy and not? Right? Like, where would he come down on that? I, I don't know. I always assume the guys would rather everything go through them and not win than the other way. No matter who it is, that's not. I think a lot of, of either, people right? at that's...
2: that level will say, like, "Well, I can be the focal point and we can win." Like, I don't think they view it as. Yeah, right.
3: Exactly. There. I've joked maybe like I've joked that Joel Embiid probably had the most fun he ever had last year, and half joked, you know, where everything was him. If they're winning it's because of him. If they're losing, it's because they have no there's no team. And then, like it's a great situation. There's no stakes and you're just having a blast and dominating and all that stuff. Um so so yeah. Um, but that's where I believe he's yeah, that's kind of where I believe he's at right now. Did you ever
0: I mean you got into it a little bit. Uh this is a little more, I guess, uh off the court than the legacy talk. Uh could you get into how and I thought this was a great detail in there that he had a a basketball court built in his backyard. So, yeah. so first off, w- like you said like they they Lock. put turf down. What what does that mean? Was he like playing on grass? Was it like Wimbledon basketball? No,
3: it was not. a it was it was a gym like a Oh, a gym. Okay. Here, I, like a gym. Okay. Sorry. Like a gym. Yeah, that. yeah. No, but that's all good, but I have uh they I they sent me pictures I can look. But yeah, they put down a uh, I'm gonna to try to open these as yeah. we're talking, but yeah, they uh, they sent me they, pictures. Of course, they're not loading. Oh, here we go. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I can should I hold it up? I can hold it up to you. Oh screen. yeah, it's not good. It's it's not a oh, good. No, uh, it's good. I see it. Yeah, radio audio. But yeah, it's you know it's kind of like imagine like a tent, right? A white tent with like a green turf and a bunch of athletic shit thrown in there, right? <laughs> Basically, so, I think that uh,
0: dichotomy might be the that might be the right word. I'm I'm not whatever, but the the idea of He has always been, at least to me, just watching him from a basketball standpoint, a tremendous like one on one worker. There's no way you get to the level of skill that he has without just completely working your ass off in the offseason. And I think the other element, which you've already talked about, like being a sabbat, being really smart as well. That's kind of those things go hand in hand. But as we also know with James Harden, (laughs) uh, you know, he likes to have a few beers at night and, uh, you know, or, you know, go to the go to the clubs, all, all of those things. Uh, what did uh, you hear from him? And, uh, you know, you talked to his his manager and friend as well, kind of about that uh, that balance, because
3: I, I do like that you also asked him about the cake as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that, the line almost got cut about him throwing out the cake. I'm like, I know it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just a that, hilarious line. We got. There's your viral there. quote. <laughs> I, I threw the cake
0: out of the, well, it seemed like where it was supposed to go. Okay. It seems like yeah. it
3: was less, we, everyone's, everyone, everyone's been in that situation in their own birthday or whatever, <laughs> like this. Your your answer is just like just yeah, seems you know, like the thing to the, do. At the
2: his time. response <laughs> in the moment that felt like the best place for it to go. All
3: right. Uh, I mean, I've never That's been great. on a yacht
2: with a birthday cake, so I guess I just can't relate. Right?
3: So I guess exactly a giant <laughs> birthday cake, also not like a Carvel crunchies. One, oh. you know. Um. So um, what are you asking? Oh, so yeah, the partying. Um. Yeah. Okay. So my, I was told by a bunch of people and this is throughout, you know, cause it took a while and I was reporting this, that he was, uh, he was uh, some of the off court uh, activities were more in check. Um, I did get a kick that his return to the court in Houston. Seemed like he just wanted to hitch a ride to his former hometown to go hit the strip clubs with which rapper were they, was he at? What, what, what there was pictures that night. Uh, I forget um, which one was a little baby. I forget. It was one yeah. of his friends though. This is that we just turned into the whitest podcast. Um, No, we're already there. We're already there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So, uh, which uh, which rap artist accompanied James Harden to the uh, the adult club? But yeah, so I I got a kick out of that. And sorry, (laughs) that that, what I found funny is because the story was almost done, and we were trying to figure. I interviewed him before his injury, right? Um, that the injury happened, so kind of threw off the timing. We're trying to time the publishing when he's coming back, and I look at their schedule. And there's a game in Houston. I want to say it's a Monday, and then they don't have another until game Friday. until yep. a Friday. So I'm figuring there is no way he's returning for you. Like that is like there's no way. Like I know he's coming back. Like why would you push that extra game against a bad team, which I know they lost, but against a bad team when you also have like four days after, it just seemed like the obvious move, right? To just take the rest, of the extra four or five days, and not return. Then he returns, and then I see the the pictures of him partying. And I'm like, oh, I see what happened. He was he just he wanted a ride. To, uh, he wanted to ride to Houston to go have some fun. So I found, I got that. I thought that was pretty funny um, as I'm putting together a story saying how he's working harder and giving <laughs> up some of that stuff. Um, so uh, that <laughs> that, withstanding, my understanding is that he did give up some of that, uh, some of those activities. And yeah, like the work was always, the work was never a problem. Like he'd be, the, I think he'd sort of thing where like out till, two, I'm making up the times, but out till 2 a.m. But then in the gym at seven, right? But at a certain age. The almost the sleep matters almost more, and the recovery matters almost more than the work you're putting in the next morning. Um, is he fully there? I don't know. Um, he, he looks better, right? He looks better right now. I guess we'll see throughout the year. Um, he looks better now, also. I think since, ironically, I'm curious if you guys agree. I think he looks better since coming back than he did almost at the beginning of the season, um, which I find interesting too.
2: He's playing very well. Uh, he, he and Joel are are both very interesting because it's clear you do not get to that skill level. Like I think at one point. In your article, Harden comments like you don't get to be runner-up MVP multiple times without putting in the work, and that's true. And you could say the exact same thing for Joel right now. On the other hand, neither of them have never really been in (laughs) tip-top physical shape. So it's like they're very committed to working on the things that they care about committing to, which is a little bit, I think, frustrating for fans. But clearly, I mean, they definitely do work. Like That kind of skill level is not something you are born with.
0: For sure. They are an interesting contrast just because james now that we're talking about this he really is the ultimate work hard play hard uh nba nba player right (laughs) like he he definitely has both of those things where joel is like i'll tell you the play hard is not a part of what he's doing i'll tell you that yeah no
3: no i mean what i I think i wrote right (laughs) i think like because he went to the uh party that his favorite at night activities being home and sweatpants right on video games right which is like it's true. It wasn't even a shot. No, that's, like, that's
2: what he does. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the, I, I remember every, when I first yeah. heard that, I'm like, nah, there's some PR behind Joel that's pushing that out there. And like, no, it actually really is true. He doesn't really go out that much.
0: And so instead, he went
3: to oh. Harden Sting in sweatpants as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's...
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's the, 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 uh, exactly. He does... uh Yeah. Even in his post game, it sounds dumb, but you know, you clean these little things here and there. And like when he... Have you ever seen him not in sweats in a post game press conference? Like as he goes it's to the podium, rare. right? Yep. It's always this... Yeah, it's unless, it, unless it's shorts. Yeah, you know, it's not. Yeah. Right, exactly. Which, again, would indicate that he's not going somewhere he after. He was in shorts guess, the oh, other day. It, when
2: sweats, it but... must have been like 25 degrees out there by the time the game was over. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane.
0: Yeah, it um, doesn't
1: make a lot of sense. But, oh well. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So, I think one of the interesting things, first of all, I think it's just interesting why he
2: agreed to this interview. like I think you mentioned in your article. He mm-hmm. hasn't done one like two and a half three years, something like that, not not a one on one like that. He's not like antagonistic towards the media, like maybe some of his former teammates, like Kyrie or Ross, like they're openly antagonistic towards members of the media. He's not aloof, like maybe Ben Simmons, like he's it's pretty easy to strike up a conversation with him, but getting him below the surface level is pretty tough because he doesn't want what you mentioned in your piece. He doesn't want to be misconstrued. He doesn't want that soundbite. He doesn't want that sort of like debate centered around him, which is funny because there's always debate centered around him. But exactly. I guess what I'm curious about, because he doesn't necessarily show this side to us or the media or, or anyone on the outside, what's he like as, or what's your take on what he's like, sort of like as a leader now that he's in a veteran role, he's always sort of been the focus of a team moving into a new place. You mentioned him trying to make efforts to be a leader here in Philadelphia. I guess what's sort of like your take on that and what kind of examples do you have from that?
3: Yeah. So I, I can my take after. So two interesting stories. And again, when you're reporting these things and team was helping facilitate, so you're going to get team friendly views of things, but like, you know, stories, I guess they can't be, I shouldn't say they can't be made up, right? <laughs> Especially around Sixers land, but
2: you know, you like to think I've that- I've lived on the internet for reporter, the last six years. You can definitely make up stories, yes. <laughs> well,
3: what was the title? Well, who's the, uh, the 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 congressman yesterday who made up his whole life? Yeah, so no, do that. Uh, um, what, up from <laughs>
2: your neck of the woods, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, but you like to think you have a radar for uh, when you're sitting down with somebody or just the specifics of the details. So like two stories that I put these in, this one I, I, I wrote fast, but George Yang told me a story about how last year um, – and I, I tell this fast, but I can elaborate because it's interesting. So last year after – I didn't remember the game. You guys probably will because you're better on this stuff than I am and watch more of them. But there was a game against Denver um, where, Yang, where he um, he missed a three and then got the offensive rebound, and he should have kicked it out but took a shot anyway because they were yep. down three and screwed it up and basically – not him the game, but ruined the uh, – ruin. it led to the loss. Um, and he was pretty down after, and he goes to a restaurant – and he was asked the manager or whatever can I have the back room? And the manager was like, "You yeah, know, actually, James Harden's in the back room." You know, um, sorry, I've got a phone call. That I'm going to get out of the way here. Um, so, excuse me, because I kill a story? So Anyway, so James Harden's in the back room. Um, I don't know. So, so George calls up James Harden, and says, "Hey, man, I know, uh, I know you're there. You know, my friends here. Are we okay? We get a table." And he told me, "Wasn't that he was scared of him?" But he kind of like this was early in their partnership, and the idea that. He thought James, and maybe James was pissed after the game. He thought James would be like almost ignore the call or like look at the call and be like, you fucking kidding me. I don't want to see this guy now. Right. And instead he told him, no, come on back through, come on through and hung out with him. They talked a lot. Like, so I thought that was interesting. That was last year. And this year they told me a story about, um. and again, I threw this in fast, but basically the uh, Sixer strength coach does a thing where like he organized, he offered a, uh, a, let's say a Sunday morning workout for all basketball ops employees, but not the players. Like, you know, assistant coaches or like uh, PR people and front office people, just not athletes basically to do it. Right. Um, and Harden was the only player who showed up and he went in all the drills. So I found those two things interesting. The, uh, and both seemed almost out of character to me, the George Yang story. I didn't know Harden had that in him because again, I never covered him before. And I would also think from the outside, he'd be sort of the, uh, um, it's a loof use that word. It's a good, good word or standoffish, or he's not somebody who seems to suffer mistakes. Maybe that's a better way to put it. He's not someone who seems to suffer teammates mistakes or have a uh, tolerance right. for that. Um Again, part of, because the way he sees the game, right? His mind, he sees some geniuses a lot, right? They have trouble understanding or not figure understanding or have trouble tolerating people who can't see the game and see things the way they do. Right. Um, that. And again, him working out the whole, like he doesn't seem like somebody who would care to have the team's lower level employees, uh, have any sort of opinion of him right that would seem to be beneath him also from afar so i found those things interesting and what what that translates to in terms of the locker room it's so hard to tell i don't know right it's so hard to tell um i would think that stuff matters and i think it would make a difference but it probably also depends who you are so if you're george yang or pj tucker and your game is also perfectly tailored to play alongside harden where you're just going to get open threes and stuff that's probably great your Tyrese Maxi, and I, I think they get along great, him and Tyrese Maxi. I'm not saying otherwise, but like it's probably a little harder to tolerate hard in there, right? Or deal with that. So I always, it kind of goes with what you were saying before, Rich, in terms of his, um, how the basketball stuff often, uh, leaks or triggers or kind of facilitates what the, the, the rest of the, uh, interactions and, and the dynamic there.
0: Yeah. And there are definitely guys on the team who, I mean, PJ Tucker is like, <laughs> he's, he's, f- yeah, fairly useless offensively if, uh, if he if yeah. Harden is not there, if Harden is there, he knows He's how to so get in the ball. He's mostly useless. Yes, exactly.
3: Well, well. And how much money though? Like has Harden yeah. made him right? Hard like yeah. if you think about, it, like, Harden's made him, like 50, I don't know, if you tallied up like the Houston contracts and Miami all of it since like uh, how much money has James Harden made? PJ Tucker, right? You know, you know though, Harden
0: like he really appreciates playing with Tucker because
3: at the end of the game
0: last night, the the Raptors game where Harden, by the way, Harden was bad for the, the overtime of that game. It was like, he kept getting Anyanobi on a switch and then attacking it. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, like go get Van Vliet yeah. if you're going to do this, like, or whatever. Okay. So it was probably his worst game since coming back. Wh- whatever. It's. Whoa, look,
2: whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Second worst game, that Houston debacle.
0: He wasn't even <laughs> back for that. He was back. I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was quote unquote <laughs> yeah. back for yeah. that. You're right. The Houston debacle was worse than that, but he, he, he wasn't very good. That said, on the Tobias Harris's two winning threes, one of them, or one of them got taken off. The other one was a Harden pass and Tucker set a flare screen for him. And I noticed like after it was over, you know, everybody's congratulating Harris, but Harden goes over and taps Tucker on the head. Like, thank you. Like that was good. Uh, So I think it's clear that He seems to
2: be someone who sort of like notices the little things and tries to point that out. Maybe not publicly, but uh, behind the the scene. Yeah.
0: And I and I, I agree with you. Like, I think Maxie likes him, even though they're, they're different, right? Like Maxie is very bubbly and you know always happy. And Harden, mm-hmm. I, I think is a little more of a joker. I think Harden's like a little more like us. I think Maxie's almost the, uh, the different person in that. Are you uh,
2: saying just, I don't have a bubbly mm-hmm. personality? Yeah. What are you trying as to you say, say here, Rich?
0: As you say with the scowl on your face. Right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's like, uh, he's a contradiction, which kind of, it does make him, you know, when you step back and it's probably why you were the, the right person to write this, your own, like, you know, I'm watching him, you know, try and run an offense every game and, like, focused on that. Like, he's just a – it's a very interesting character at this point of his NBA
3: career. Like I he, completely agree. I completely agree. He's it's fascinating. Like, in terms of the NBA conversation, again, like like I said, none of this actually matters. But once you get past that and, like, what actually like, – James Harden's fascinating yeah. and, like, where he is at this point in his career and who he is and what he represents and all of it. I an all-time agree. career. All-timer.
2: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. He is sort of one, that, where I look at him, if I was sort of advising him, if I was his manager, you would probably say, like, look, you should probably do more media. Like, I think he is so reserved and doesn't want to open up at all. And I think when he speaks, you can tell there's a thoughtfulness that maybe his body language or his facial expressions, which you can't really see because he's got the beard for his whole career, don't really show. Um, And I think he, you know, by sort of, again, not necessarily treating the media as an enemy, because I don't think he necessarily comes off that way, but of being concerned mm-hmm. about anything that's put out there because of the way it can be talked about, even if it's not in the way it's initially reported, but just the way other people can take it and run with it. I think by being scared of that, he has almost hurt, not hurt his reputation, but maybe created a sort of bit of a, uh, standoffishness, aloofness, um, lack of caring that I'm not sure is necessarily there. I think he's, he's almost made I mean, his it, reputation it, worse.
3: It's interesting because it's a media conversation. But like when these guys talk about the media, I assume they're basically t- like they're not they're not read. I basically assume and think they're talking about first take, right? right? And it sounds very specific. But that's what they're t- that's what they watch. That's what they that's see. what blows like, that's up
2: the yep. most. And to to your point, does what- it
3: does it blow up? Like there's like fifty thousand people who watches
0: that watch those shows. But I feel like I feel yeah, like three hundred of them are the NBA it.
3: players. That's what I'm saying. Like that's it. when they talk about the media, they're talking about Stephen A. Smith and first take. Like, they're not like they're not going on like. ESPN.com, even forget it. All the websites we write for, right? I mean, sorry, like it's <laughs> trying to say just, James Harden doesn't right? subscribe
2: that... to the Daily Six. No, you're right. You're
3: right. <laughs> 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 they're like, they're, they're watching for like when they see the media, they're watching first take and maybe they're checking their mentions, you know, here or there um, or in a bleacher report. Uh, I be mean, like a bleach report uh, the yeah. alerts, right? Like that's that's like that's probably it. So and if you're focusing through that lens, then, yeah, I agree with you, Derek. like you're going to come into these issues where um i mean i saw it like bleacher report sent that an alert from my story what was it james i think it was like james harden blames teammates for losses and, and it had the quote as um it had the quote which one what's what like it's a like, quote in the story what what more can i do or something i do everything what more can i do and like it just cut out and just were like what yeah. more can i do i can't do everything you know how the game is played and i'm sure but guys you know you know
2: yeah, yeah no exactly no, I get I mean, it. not and, to be all wind and, horse but like aggregators definitely make our lives more difficult because a lot of times what gets people pissed off is not the initial article. It's how it's then covered outside of that.
3: Correct. So what I, so what I, did, I mean, I purposely, I, 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 there's a lot of long quotes in the story. So like the way I look at it, and I think I even want to told them at some point is, you know, it's going to happen. But like, if people read the whole story, this is maybe some people won't click on it, won't read the whole thing, but it's also a way to get people. It's going to drive people to the, like, even if it's a uh, aggregated cutoff quote, right, it's going to drive people to, it, and more people will have an understanding of, what your view is on things um, through this. Now, whether you care about that or not, it's different, but that's kind of the pitch. But yeah, it's just, yes, when you say like he's, you know, afraid to open up, I completely agree. And I think if you're going back to like, I would always tell these guys, that stuff's going to happen anyway. Like James Harden, if you're a big star, you're going to be debated on first take anyway, right? It doesn't make a difference. So you might as well get your point of view out. Instead of debating
2: your words, I'll debate your body language. But you're right. You're getting debated. Exactly, for sure.
3: for sure. For sure.
0: You know, it's funny. This is a, a random one you're on. But I, I remember we were, I think it was that Toronto playoff series in 2019 <laughs> when me and you were standing on the court before the game. And I think you had just written an article about Marcus Gasol. And yes, and he goes, to you and Marcus Gasol is a different character than James Harden. But he goes, hey, he goes, hey, man, I heard the story was pretty good. And you go,
3: you go to, him, <laughs> oh, did you read it? He goes, nah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, exactly. No, it's the funniest thing. It's the funniest thing. Now this one, why you'll laugh at this. I I asked, I haven't been to uh, around the Sixers. The story came, out. I haven't been around the Sixers since. So I haven't seen James. Um, so I asked PR, you know, did he read it? Just curious. And I was told they said, um, no, but we told him it was good. Um, so I joked <laughs> that, man. like, I joked, I joked, but with him, I joked. He's gonna say he didn't read it, but then like look over his shoulder and be yeah. like, okay, close clear, and then and then open it up, right? And then that's throw. the other thing. <laughs> like
2: we'll joke, like, hey, I don't think James Harden subscribing to the Daily Six or reading Fox Sports or even the Athletic. But there is somebody from the team that is reading everything that we write and letting them know if there's anything that they need to know about, for sure. For sure.
3: Correct, correct, correct. Yep, it's so interesting. Yeah, that's funny, Rich, you remember that. Yeah, that was, that's exactly true. <laughs>
2: it's so funny. We are also, We. Are, what are we doing? Such futile jobs. <laughs> we talk about a game, man. It's, it's not that, not that <laughs> deep. I guess the only other real question I had, there's a lot of talk about, where he was talking about, you know, the sort of late season playoff struggles he has had. And you've got a lot of people yep. from the Houston days. or not a lot of people, there are comments, uh, anonymous comments from the Houston days of them saying, look, he's not, he wasn't really choking. He was out of gas. And then you've got mm-hmm. him, um, you know, basically saying at one point, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, even though I'm looking for it and, and struggling here. Uh, but him, him saying that, look, Yeah, I had some good games. I had some bad games. But quite frankly, we didn't have enough talent to win there. I guess, what do you what did you sort of take as his approach to this year of trying to change sort of like that narrative? Do you do you and this is me asking you to editorialize a little bit? Do you think there's a risk of him maybe trying to do a little too much because he wants to disprove that narrative?
3: Um, by the way, you saying you having trouble finding something on the Fox sports website? I'm shocked.
2: I uh, uh, have your article up. Product. I was more scrolling through trying to find the exact <laughs> quote, but for whatever reason, I couldn't find it at that moment. Uh, <laughs> now you're really, feeling, your so I feel so I would, listening to this.
3: <laughs> they know, by the way, um, that's more of a program. I don't even you know no, what yeah, your, your editor is not but
2: a UI engineer for sure.
3: for sure. Uh, um, okay. So I, I would say, I think that's a concern, but not because not. And again, this is—I mean, I'll do the thing, the wind But this is me editor, editorializing. Um, I also have to concern, but not because he wants to prove people wrong. I think it goes back to the idea of him being convinced that's the best way to play, right? That's more—that's the distinction I would make. Um, and that—that's always been the thing with his whole style of basketball. It's and it's why it's hard to argue because, like, on a possession by possession basis, he's always been right. Yeah, the smartest move is a James Harden picking all the top let him play chess and you need get a switch or manipulate pick and roll, do all that stuff. Right. And that's the, if you go on each possession and I, if you isolate each possession and you're looking for the, doing just the math of it. And this is why him and Maury probably, you know, yeah. have been uh, linked and why, why like if doing the math on each possession. That is the best move. Right. With there's no, there's no arguing, but basketball is not a game and I'm not like an anti analytics guy. but basketball is not like a single possession game. It's a full game and ebbs and flows and over season and things like that. And I think that's the part that sometimes is was missed and, when people talk about the heliocentric stuff and things like that um and so yeah i'll be my concerned that in the playoffs it's like no what do you mean i'm gonna have i, I want to get a switch and i'm gonna iso because i have i don't know switched on to me precious achua i'm making this up right like or maybe not toronto they're not getting anywhere near the playoffs these days but whoever it is right like um and that's the best move and they're gonna pound the ball into the court um and the step back three my math is this right and that's better than this um that would be my concern more than him trying to like in the moment prove people wrong it's almost does he recognize that it goes back to the big question and that's why kind of like i ended the piece on it for the most part the idea of can he what what's where is he at in terms of his approach to playing alongside joel Embiid, right this is the big question with and that's what the whole thing hinges yeah. on like both of them and D- and darrell the whole sixers organization right the fate of the world um it all hinges on that basically and who can he recognize that things have to go through Embiid and can, and Doc Rivers has to do this too, right? Figure out ways. We talked about delay and how Embiid's good at the top of the key, and that's where he likes to operate and, now. And then you have to figure out ways. I was just going to say, yeah, can he
2: recognize that the reason he's taking mid-range shots now isn't because he doesn't have a lob threat. It's because he's not beating Ike Stewart off the dribble. Yeah.
3: Correct. Correct. And, and that's okay, right. right? I mean, like, it's it's a cliche basketball thing. Michael Jordan late in his career, mid-range shot was a killer, right? That was the whole like thing. That, that worked, right? So it's okay to to evolve. If that shot, if the math is still good on that shot, it doesn't make a difference to approach it away. And it's Jim's even one
2: thing, forward, if he right. tells you the reason I'm not getting the rim is because we don't have a lob threat. That's fine. If you want to bullshit to us in the media, that's fine. But how do you actually adapt your style of play to deal with the new exactly, reality? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Rich, you got anything else for uh, for your own, or should we? Yeah, Rich is still staring, at his, staring at his phone. He's been
3: staring at his phone for our, 40 our minutes. Frozen screenshot.
2: We have a, a Zoom set up here, and, and Rich is froze uh 40 minutes ago so we do not have I a, think
0: it's been a pretty clean pod but that you do not have visual happening. confirmation of where Rich is at <laughs> literally
3: yeah I'm I've joking. been here I've been here
0: I, it you know maybe I have been staring at my phone the whole time you guys can't actually see it. Uh, no I think I'm uh I think I've got everything that I want from your own
2: all right well it is I'm yeah, glad it is always good to talk to your own uh, I think the first time we really got to know each other was when you're working on Tanking the top which again if you haven't read it uh, go out and buy it wherever you buy your books digitally or in real life. Uh, great read. It's always great to have your own on. Uh, has become one of my friends here in the national media and always gets good stories on the Sixers. Does a real good job of of getting into an organization that doesn't necessarily want too many features written about them. So I, I, I commend you for that. And this was another great one. Go check it out at FoxSports.com. It is titled...
3: What is the title? I don't even know. James know Harden reckons it.
2: with his legacy is the title of the article. Ah. Yeah. Once again, thank you for coming on and best of luck going forward.
1: Thanks, guys.